Lucretia McCulley, Head of Scholarly Communications at Boatwright Library. Our author today is Kristen Bazzio, Assistant Professor of Leadership Studies. Her teaching and research focuses on the ways in which literature, drama, film, and video games have influenced society and the way people think about issues of leadership and followership. Dr. Bazzio is the author of the chapter, Friends and Rivals, Loyalty, Ethics, and Leadership in Dragon Age 2, which appears in a 2014 book entitled Identity and Leadership in Virtual Communities, Establishing Credibility and Influence. Her chapter explores how video game players can influence their understanding of ethics in terms of human emotion and interaction. Kristen, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. So to start off our conversation, what inspired you to write on this particular topic? I had actually been having quite a few conversations with uh, Joe Essid, who is one of the two editors of this particular book about games and using games in the classroom uh, and using games to teach writing, especially related to the freshman year seminars, because he's taught uh, games-related freshman year seminars. He does a lot of work on Second Life, which is a virtual online space where people adopt avatars and they can enter into that space and use it in the same way that you sort of use the real world. You can buy property, you can build buildings. Um, there are games in Second Life, and he's actually had his students work on creating games in Second Life. So we've been talking about a lot of ideas around that, and when he and Donna came up with the idea for this particular volume, uh, he sent me the call for papers and invited me to give something. And at the time I was finishing playing Dragon Age 2, um, not surprisingly, it is uh, in a series of video games called Dragon Age. It is actually the third one, despite the fact that it's called Dragon Age 2. There's uh, Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age Awakening that come before Dragon Age 2. And the last one, Inquisition, is coming out in November of uh, 2014. So I'm sort of paying attention to that. But I was working on ideas of leadership and followership in Shakespeare at the time while playing this game and was starting to notice that there were a lot of intersections in terms of the types of behavior that were expected from me as the player in Dragon Age and the types of behavior that were sort of characterized as ideal leadership in plays like Henry V. And so wanting to get into games publishing and being interested in gaming in general, I thought it would be fun to write on Dragon Age 2, and it was fun to write on Dragon Age 2. It was also a good deal more of a time commitment than I expected. Um, getting through a video game takes, generally speaking, 40 to 80 hours when you are just playing through the game without paying particular attention to anything. And from somebody who writes on Shakespeare plays, it doesn't take me 40 to 80 hours to read a Shakespeare play. And so making that transition from, oh, I can read this in an afternoon to refresh it and take notes on it, to this is going to take me several months of replaying this game and taking notes and looking things up on the internet um, was a little bit of a challenge. But um, I really think it's important that we talk about all kinds of popular media when we're addressing questions of, of leadership and followership. So I put in the effort and slogged through it and actually turned it into two different pieces um, to get my, get my money's worth, as it were. Um, but I thought it fit really well with 
the theme of identity and leadership and focusing on the player character from Dragon Age, whose name is Hawk. Uh, it's a last name, so that the character can actually be either male or female. But using that idea of player-determined identity for that character and the way that the game is programmed to respond to the player's choices, I thought was a really interesting thing to explore. All right, thank you. That's fascinating. Well, how can video games or virtual spaces unite or influence communities on a college campus? I think that one of the really interesting things that the book as a whole explores that I talk about a little bit in the sense of having one's identity be shaped through performance uh, is something that's immediately relevant in any community, whether it's a college campus or not. Um, but it is something that I actually talk about with my freshman year seminar, which focuses on games and um, game theory and leadership and looks at video games and looks at, um, we use alternate reality virtual space. So virtual space layered on top of real space to talk about how we can make things more accessible to people or how we can bring people together in order to participate in something. And the students like to talk a lot about using these alternate reality games to introduce people to different spaces on campus. Um, so if they have a component where you have a quest, say, that you have to go on, you have to find an object, and that object doesn't exist in the real world. It's a virtual thing that you can see on your phone, but you have to go to a real space to get there. Um, a couple of them, uh, I had a team in the spring semester who used Boatwright, actually, as one of the physical locations that you had to go to in order to pick up a virtual object. And they thought it was a really interesting way to potentially have freshmen be introduced to a campus, is to use this to create sort of a community experience through this virtual space laid on top of real space. And so that's one way that you can do it is you sort of mix and match. It's also a way, um, virtual space as virtual space, for people to participate in community activities by playing together if they're interested in the same kind of game. Um, that can also create competition rather necessarily than cooperation, but there are cooperative games that can bring people together in a virtual space. Even you know, among my students, just the games that they're assigned, they will sometimes choose to play together even though it's a single-player game because they have this common experience. And one of the things that happens, especially in games with a big fan base, and Dragon Age is one of those games that has a huge fan base, is a community is created, usually online, around the game and around the themes and concepts, because it's such a complicated game that people want to have discussions about it. Um, there are so many options in the game that your gameplay experience is going to be different from somebody else's because you've made different choices or done things in a different order. And so there's a huge virtual community just talking about, oh, well, if you go to this place, before you go to that place, something else will happen. Or how do you find a certain object? Or how do you introduce yourself to a certain character so that they don't get angry and try and kill you? Different things can come up in community situations based on a common gameplay experience. And my, my two freshman year seminars, I taught one in the fall, one in the spring, ended up kind of bonding with each other even though they weren't in the same class because they all played Portal. And so when the second semester had to play it, they started talking to the first semester to get tips 
Uh, and so there were some things like that, and it doesn't have to be through gameplay. You know, they could have a common book, and I know that the, the one book, One Richmond, is sort of designed to do something similar, but that is a kind of virtual or intellectual space that creates common ground in a really interesting way. Thank you. And how would you envision undergraduate students using this article to examine how popular culture influences their behavior? One of the things about video games is that it's at this, as a genre, at this juncture where most people are still dismissing it as just entertainment. Uh, it's just something for fun, and a lot of my students actually come in with that attitude. Oh, well, it's a game, and they, of course, take the class because they get to play games for class, and how cool is that? And they don't realize that there's work involved, intellectual work involved. Um, they often take film classes for the same reason. I teach one of those. I have the classes where people think it's going to be fun, and it ends up being work. Uh, hopefully it's also fun, but... One of the things that, that I like to do with my students is to introduce them to games, and this is one of the things I try and do in the article, as artifacts of culture that are actually changing the way that we think, or forcing us to become aware of the way that we think about things. And in Dragon Age, there's this mechanic, and I call it the friendship rivalry mechanic, because... It's a continuum at one end, it's friend, at the other end, it's rival. And the way that you as a player interact with the programmed characters in the game indicates where on that trajectory your relationship with them falls. And it changes the way that they react to you. It'll change whether they even accompany you and help you at the end of the game if they don't like you enough. And it really causes you as a player to have to think about, well, what things can I say to this character? You have a conversation choice. You don't just speak into the computer. Um, you get little sentences that indicate what it is that you would say or your character would say. And you say, okay, well, am I going to say something that's sort of funny? Am I going to say something that's complimentary? Am I going to say something that disagrees with them? Am I going to say something that's openly cruel? And you have to think about how you respond to them based on what you want them to think of you. And it's all pre-programmed, they can't actually think. But it makes you then consider similar things when you're actually dealing with other people. Or it makes you think about why you've made the choices you've made. You know, why have you chosen to agree with one faction over another faction? And that could make students say, oh, hey, maybe this game is talking about something other than mages and Templars. Maybe it's talking about Democrats and Republicans. It doesn't map that nicely, but it's a good dichotomy to think about and say, well, why is it that I think things that I do? Why do I hang out with the people I hang out with? How could I maybe hang out with somebody who's different? What would I say to them? How would I present myself? in a different way. And, you know, I'm not really expecting that students will read the article and think of all of those things about themselves, but I want them to realize that anything that they interact with, whether it's a TV show or a film or a video game, is trying to get them to reflect on their behavior. Um, potentially even trying to get them to modify their behavior in one way or another. And sort of exposing that in an article like this one 
is a way to get them to think about how other things then are doing the same kind of behavior modification, if you will. Thank you. And our last question, what type of information resources did you use in writing this article? One of the things that I have learned and that my students learn every semester uh, that we do the games course is that finding information on games is not easy. And that's in part because games studies as a field is so very new. Uh, that also means that most of what exists is online, which is really nice for me because I don't have to leave my computer to find it. Um, a lot of the early things in game studies are on ludology or ludics. It's the study of play. And the earlier things are parts of books that you can find in the library. Or um, there are a couple of journals of sport uh, that I found using... Um, academic OneSearch, actually, that I hadn't known existed, but had a lot of theories of play and theories of how play can help modify behavior. And so that was, was really interesting. But anything that's on the game specifically, for the most part, is just to be found online. Um, one of the things about the game community that sort of surrounds a game like Dragon Age is that Many, many people have written complex reviews or blog posts that analyze the game in, in really interesting ways that is just available online. And within game studies itself, most of the major journals, because of the digital nature of what we're studying, are all online, and most of them are open access. So just being able to go into game studies, which is the sort of premier journal of game studies, is open access online. You just go to game studies and there is everything that they've ever written. Um, and that one goes back to uh, 2000 is when it was started. And some of the sort of seminal foundational articles on game studies are volume one, issue one, right there online. Um, so most of what I was able to access was already online. There were some things that, you know, I got through ILL or I got through the online databases using the library, but tons of it is just online. The question is, can you find it and can you sort the good stuff from the, I don't actually know what I'm doing, but I want to write about it because I'm a fan kind of stuff. Right. Another challenge for the students. Yes, definitely <laughs> another challenge for the students. Um, they, they get a lot of good direction in that. So. Well, thank you, Dr. Vizio. Please note that identity and leadership in virtual communities, establishing credibility and influence, is available in Boatwright Library.